This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. With our pal Don McGreca, who is getting ready for tonight's Game 6. He'll be coming up at 7 o'clock. A little pregame with Don exclusively, and then the actual pregame at 7.30. And there's nothing better than playoff hockey. I don't know if Ranger fans would agree after the last <laughs> three games, but here he is, Don McGreca. Don, what's going on, my man? Ah, oh, everything's good, man. You sounding uh, great, ripping your Yankees. I, I enjoyed that open tremendously. I, I just came up with this. I was looking at uh, Twitter during the break. How's this for a stat? Yankee outfielders, Don, not named Aaron Judge this year, are hitting 175 with an on base of 207 and a slugging of 280. Wow. I mean, if that's not an indictment of a team that has a payroll of $275 million, and the fact that Yankee fans are like, oh, they're calling up this guy, Jake Bowers. Here's a guy who has not played in the majors in two years. If that's not an indictment of the organization, boy. Well, I know. And uh, listen, I have to go through with Michael, the injuries, the injuries. And you outlined it well. Are we shocked Stanton's hurt? Are we shocked that Donaldson's hurt? Are we shocked that Bader is hurt? He was hurt when you got him. He was in a walking boot when you traded for him. Montas, I mean, a lot of these guys you traded for were hurt already. You know, what do you what do you think's going to happen to a 37 year old in Donaldson, uh, who came over with a with a calf that you were concerned about? And plus, even if he was perfectly healthy, uh, he's not exactly tearing the cover off the ball offensively. So, listen, it's early, but and I know because it's the Yankees, we we might as well just err on the side of you know 90 plus wins and making the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. But you know. 30 years of finishing above 500. At what point does the worm turn? Just having a season where it just doesn't come together and you finish 80 and 82. I mean, I, I know it's mind-blowing to any Yankee fan under the age of 40, but the, the, sometimes that happens where it just kind of all catches up. And injuries, going back to Joe Girardi, they've always been hurt. Injuries always. have always been always. an issue with this team, and they've always been able to overcome it. But the sport just seems to be different, you know, and, and you're, uh, there's a lot more parity now. And I just I just got a bad feeling that maybe it's just never it's never going to get any better. And this is kind of what it's going to be all year. And, and the thing is, is like it would be great to get the guys that are hurt healthy. But what what is the When was the last time there was a team that was incredibly hurt in the first month of the season and then never had any other injuries the rest of the uh, season when they're littered with guys who are constantly and, hurt? So. And also, I just thought about this. In, in, in the runs that they've had over the last 20 years, there's always been a patsy in the division, mm-hmm. right? There's always been a team. You'd get your 13, 14, 15 wins against Baltimore. It'd be pesky early in the season, but you'd, you'd rattle off nine, ten in a row against them. When the dynasty first started, it was the expansion raise. Baltimore has been that way for, for years. Now listen, I don't think the Red Sox are going to be any good, but I don't think they're going to be a 100-loss team. There may not be any patsies in this division. Baltimore clearly is better. Toronto is good. Uh, and the Red Sox might be the worst team, but they still might hover around 500 all year. So I don't know if there's any patsies anymore for them to get to get well on. All right. So we had Don on last Saturday, and yeah. the conversation was, "Hey, you know, <laughs> the Rangers have been rolling." Uh, and I asked you, "How surprised would you be if there was a Game Six in the series?" And you, like, I mean, everybody who with two eyes was like, nah, "It seems pretty unlikely." So how surprised are you that there's a Game 6 well, and the Rangers need to win it tonight to keep their season alive? See, that's one thing. There's different, there's different layers. Like, are you surprised there's a Game 6? Yes, I'm surprised. Um, am I surprised that it's the Rangers facing elimination? No, I'm floored. I'm absolutely flabbergasted after what happened in the first two games that they would lose three in a row. And what was the most disturbing thing to me about uh, the loss on Thursday 
They're down 3 nothing going into the third period. And we've seen teams all over the league come back from three goals down. That very same night that we last time we talked, Toronto scored three goals in the third, tied the game at four, won in overtime. We've seen Winnipeg, who just got eliminated the other night, come back from 4-1 down against Vegas. They eventually lost in overtime. So 3 nothing, you don't feel good, but you're like, oh, you, you never know. It's a different league now. The leads are not safe. You've got a rookie goaltender, and they get outshot 19-2. to 19-2. If I were to tell you the team that was down 3 nothing, who had the 19 shots and who had the two, you would just assume it would be the team that was down because they'd be desperate. They'd be throwing shots on goal, and, and, the, and the other team would be defending and not worried about the scoring. And I know the Devils had a couple of power plays in that third period, but 19-20, uh, whatever it ended up landing on, to two. God, that, that's, that's not a great optic for a team that you know is trying to at least, if nothing else, create something positive to go into the game six. So Igor is playing well. Outside of that, that's pretty much it. So we, you know, the Devils got off the mat going into game three, and, and every bit as much the Rangers are going to have to get off the mat tonight. And this uh, game five third period performance after a game four performance where it seemed like the coach kind of questioned the effort of his players. And then, I don't know if you heard, like after game five, he seemed a lot more supportive and wasn't as down on the team, which suggests to me, Gordon, you've been following sports a long time, that it's strategic. Mm-hmm. Like he, he went after the team after right. game four. Didn't they respond. didn't respond. So now it's like, well, maybe I need to be a little kinder, a little gentler. Like he looks like he's grasping at straws. And, and, and will he be fired if they lose this game tonight or lose on Monday in game seven? I don't know. There's a good chance of it. Does he deserve it? Probably not. But what bothers me in sports is, and you know this from the Yankees, that everything's Boone's fault or everything mm-hmm. is the coach's fault. Mm-hmm. When is it the player's fault, Gordon? When, when is it yeah. the player's not doing what, what or not executing? You know, it's always the coach. And eventually it's easier to fire a coach than let the whole team go. But in this particular instance, I, these players have to look in the mirror and they have to play better. And let's see if they can at least do it tonight and force a game seven. So to steal a line from Fred Willard in uh, a mighty win, what happened? I, I mean, <laughs> what, what has changed so dramatically for this Ranger team? So you didn't go with the little red wagon quote. Oh no, no. I went with what happened. It's one of the best things when they showed the the the, the variety uh, paper. And listen, if you didn't see a mighty win, that's on you. So that's on you. Yeah. Try to catch up later on after the show is over. <laughs> the, the show was canceled for lack of interest. I thought that was a great line. But anyway, um, as you can tell, Gordon and I have the same taste in movies. Uh, it, it really it's about New Jersey making the adjustment. Not so much how Schmidt has played. But just the idea of making the move and just changing something. Um, Saturday before game three, I was talking to Matty Lachlan, who's the radio voice for the Devils, and he said they had Scotty Gomez on after game two. And he says, sometimes you change the goaltender, not because you feel like the starting goaltender is playing poorly. You just got to do something different. You can't just keep walking in the room and seeing the same players dress, the same goaltender. And they played better in front of him. They kind of found a way to play defensively with their speed. You know, all the speed, you think speed, you think offense, but, you know, speed can also help you defensively. And the other thing that really changed, and I don't know why it changed, maybe it's the Devils, maybe it's the Rangers, a power play for the Rangers that scored four times the first seven times they were on the power play. And since the end of game two through the rest of the series, they're 0 for 13. And even when the Rangers were winning those games, Gordon, 5-1, the five-on-five play was pretty even. It was just that the Rangers were scoring power play goals. The Devils weren't, and now it's really changed. And when you watch that five-on-five uh, play in the third period, it's the first time we saw 
one team be that much dominant over the other five on five. And as important as special teams are, the majority of the game is played even strength. And and maybe um, that five on, five one wins were more a product of the special teams than actually the Rangers being better uh, in uh, even strength play. Uh, Panarin moved to the third line. Has he been the most glaring of the dis- – obviously it's not him exclusively, but he has he been the most glaring disappointment? Oh, easily, easily. And we saw this last year too, but he got off the mat because he scored that, you know, the game winner in game seven on the power play, but, but he's been missing the net. He had a couple of opportunities in game five, but obviously they didn't score. They got shut out. Zabanajad would probably be next. He's got a handful of points but hasn't scored. So – when you've got your two leading scorers during the regular season, both having 90-plus points and them not producing to that level, it's really going to hurt you. Uh, I've been a little disappointed in Keandre Miller as well defensively. Um, there, there's just a lot of blame to go around outside of Shesterkin. I thought he has been wonderful in this series. I thought he was great uh, in, uh, in Game 5. Uh, the one goal was a fluke off of the stick of Fox. The other one was the empty netter. And he stand down on his head. And, but what does it matter if you're not going to score? So I think everybody's been a disappointment, but the, the two that lead the list is Panarin and Zibanejad. If they lose this series, I mean, all-time New York sports collapse. It's not the Yankees in 2004 against the Red Sox, but is it far off from that? Is it a ways away from that? How, far, how bad would it be? You know, it's, it's, it's pretty bad, but, but let's not forget the Devils are a pretty good team. They're actually the right. better and team in the regular season. Right, sure. You know, so they've got it. They deserve a lot of credit for what happened here, but would be really just colossally disappointing is how they went out last year the same way. They they won mm-hmm. the first two games at home, if you remember, and then lost four straight. So this would be second straight series. If they lose tonight, that'd be two straight series. The end of last year, the beginning of this year, in which they 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 closed out the playoffs, losing four straight, blowing a, a two nothing series lead. So yeah, it would be epic just from what's expected of this team and. I don't know where they go from here. What's going to happen with Kane? What's going to happen with uh, uh, Tarasenko? They've got young kids that they've that are that are due for uh, restricted free agency. So a lot of decisions have to come here. And then you take a look at the division, and you know, first, you know, Carolina's not going anywhere, and certainly the Devils look like they're not going anywhere. Um, so it's it would be pretty epic considering what was on the line here and just how they dominated the first two games. I mean, nobody saw this coming, Gordon. Usually in sports, there'll be some mm-hmm. article saying, well, I, I saw it. No, 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 no. <laughs> nobody saw this. And uh, so, it, yeah, Red Sox-Yankees is on a different level, blowing a 3 nothing series lead. But how about, you know what, how about Giants-Niners back in 2 Okay. I mean, I know that's one game, but mm-hmm. – you know, that colossal collapse sure. in the second half. And um, it's, it's certainly something 20 years still sticks in my cross. So, you know, that, that kind of level where it's going to get talked about, not just, not just blowing the lead, but also the expectations um, that were going into this thing. I don't know if anybody thought the Giants were winning the Super Bowl that year, but you really right. felt like you were going to advance to the next round. You know, so when you combine up 2-0 and you, you combine the expectations, but uh, – it's not over yet. They they, no. they were five and zero facing elimination last year before they eventually fell to Tampa. Came back from three one down against Pittsburgh. Came back three two against Carolina, winning a game seven on the road. So that's where I think any Ranger fans on the way to the game tonight or, or getting ready to watch it on television can put their in their pocket is that all right, they were able to do this last year and Shesterkin has played exceptionally well. So they've got the goaltender and they've got the pedigree here to make this happen. So let's see if they can. 
All right, so we talked the Rangers and, and possible changes with the coach. What about the Islanders? Uh, their season is done. They uh, are not able to come back uh, in their series, so their series is over and their season is over. What changes do you see for them now after this season? You, you could make the case to strip it down. I mean, uh, I, I know they had those back-to-back -back Final Four appearances before missing the playoffs last year, and we explained what happened last year away by COVID and having to play the thir first 13 games on the road because they were finishing up UBS. But uh, if you take a good look, if Lou Lamarillo takes a good look at this team and says, is this, is this enough? Have we, have we done everything we could with this roster? Now, they gave Horvat a contract, so he's not going anywhere. And I'm not saying that you've got to completely rebuild, but you know, could Lambert be in trouble? Why not? I mean, Lou won three cups in New Jersey with three different head coaches. So uh, could he be one and done with Lambert? Sure, there, there's a chance there. Could Ledecky and Malkin decide, all right, Lou, you gave it a shot. You know, you put, it, you put us on the map. We appreciate that, but maybe it's time to go in a different direction. I'm not as close to it as I am, you know, with the Rangers, but just talking to people, it just kind of feels like they got all they could out of this team, and maybe it's time to change it. It's funny because whenever the, the Jets or the Giants were changing coaches every couple of years, people would say, well, you can't have any stability and you're changing the head coach every couple of years. Lou Lamarillo is like, oh, yeah, really? <laughs> Watch me. Uh, it feels like even though they do have stability with him when it was with the Devils and now with the, with the Islanders, he's not, he's not above changing coaches well, on the fly. Well, and, and also, you know, we never really got to the bottom. There's been all the different stories about what happened with Barry Trotz. I mean, I don't know if that was the plan necessarily that they were going to you know, change the coach to Lambert anyway. It just kind of had a mutual parting of the ways. And so I don't know if Lambert was always the plan or was it, hey, you know, you know, Barry's going to resign here. We're going to part ways with him. Let's hurry up and, and let's bring Lane into the to mix. So, you know, I, I, I think that given another chance here, could it possibly be, you know, really going out and getting an experienced coach? And, and I've always speculated about this. I, I've asked people. They don't think it's that crazy. You're familiar with what happened with Joel Quinville in Florida based on what happened in Chicago. Um, he's going to coach in the NHL again. I mean, mm -hmm. at some point. And Lou is the kind of guy that would probably be the one to do it. And the Islanders, no offense to Islander fans, but it's not like there's a lot of exposure where they'd get a lot of heat for doing it as opposed mm -hmm. to like if the Rangers or the Red Wings or somebody like that did it. And he's, he's, he's been successful, and he was obviously, you know, certainly what happened in Chicago, not blowing the whistle. He was kind of collateral damage as the head coach when that controversy had taken place. Could that be a direction he goes into? I mean, this is – there's not too many coaches with the resume of Joel Quinville. And uh, if they decided to keep it together and just go out there and get a, a winning coach, could that be the direction they go to? I, I, I don't know, but I, I – Coming back with the same operation next year just doesn't feel like it's going to be nearly enough. So I think changes are coming there. Uh, one last one, the Bruins. I mean, that was a wild game six last night. <laughs> They're now 3-3, obviously, in that series, facing a game seven after a historic regular season. Uh, how concerning was that performance? Because it seemed like they, they had no problem getting the lead, but they just uh, obviously could not hold the lead. Well, the, the, thing, the thing about Boston, now they had a historic regular season, but – Nobody saw it coming. Matter of fact, we thought they were going to take a step backwards. They changed the head coach. It looked like Bergeron was going to retire. Bergeron decides to stay, so they give it another kick at the can. They bring in Montgomery, and all right, it feels like all right, they're going to give it another shot. And then everything clicked together. The big thing that clicked together, Gordon, was their goaltending. Olmark, who had been you know, a nice goaltender in Buffalo but never really showed you any indication he'd be a god, you know, was the best goaltender we've seen in years. 
is his, you know, carriage turning back into a pumpkin? <laughs> because he certainly has not looked like he did during the course of the regular season. So if the goaltending is going to be the way it has been in this series, Florida's got nothing to lose. You know, can can Boston lose three games at home when they only lost five games at home in regulation <laughs> all year? Yeah. Yes, it can happen because that's the NHL and that's how crazy it is. But, you know, you can't give up that many goals in a chance to win. I don't care where it is, in Florida, wherever. Panthers are a good team. They won the President's Trophy last year. I get it. But for a team that good to be facing a game seven, it's crazy. So, you know, why why not have them lose? It would be that kind of a season. Don, it's always good to have you uh, on the Saturday show. So hopefully the Rangers can actually show up tonight and uh, force not only a game seven, but win that too. And uh, we can do this next week too. That would be fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. Thanks. All right. That is Don LaGreca. He's coming up 7 o'clock tonight. And uh, the Rangers coming up 7.30 tonight. Their big game six against the Devils. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll get more of your phone calls if you want to talk about the Rangers, the Yankees. We've got to touch on the Knicks as well next, too. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Big game for the Rangers tonight. Got to see them. You'd have to think they're going to show up tonight. You'd have to think that after that game five performance, that third period performance, they're going to show up tonight. But everybody's got a plan until they get hit. And it almost seems like the Rangers are the big bully in the series. When everything was going great, they're rolling in those first two games. And then all of a sudden things get away from them in game three and – and they haven't got up uh, – what was the great line of that uh, George Foreman document? Was it George Foreman? I think it was a George Foreman uh, HBO movie where the line was uh, he got knocked down and it took him 20 years to get back up off the canvas. It almost seems like it's taken the Rangers 20 years to get up off the canvas here. Uh, all right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Gene is in Belmore. Gene, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And I definitely think the Rangers you know, do come through tonight. Um, albeit I have a plethora of points to make. I'm just going to keep it really short and just give you three. Uh, so first of all, when you had Don on, he said he didn't know what to do with Kane next year, and I think it's pretty evident what you do with Kane. He's been dogging it the whole series. He took a penalty on a play where he should have just been between the goalie and the offensive skater, but his lack of effort and just his, you know, overall, just he's kind of done. I think you let him go. What I like to see the Rangers do with a third-string goalie like Akira Schmidt is you got to put shots on net. First couple games, we had 36 or, you know, 38 shots on net, and you know, really bring some results in. And I think what you need to do right now, you need to generate some offense. I put Vladdy with Panarin and Zibanejad as a true first line. I'd, I'd let the kids remain as a second line, um, even though they're a third, but I'd bump them up to second with the ice time. And then I'd make Trocek, um, Kane, and Kreider work together, you know, and get shots on net, just crash the net. It was dead in the garden game three. I hope they uh, hope they come out really loud. I'll be there tonight. And, you know, I think they get the W. Thanks for taking my call. Well, well Gene, and thanks for the phone call. Um, I know Panarin was moved to the third line for tonight. Uh, I, I don't know if they'll shake up the lines before game six or not. But uh, I would expect the crowd is going to be rocking at start. But it's like anything else. If they don't get anything to, to cheer about, there's going to be some very anxious fans. Now, if the Rangers come out and score a game in the first period – that that that'll that'll take the roof off the building. But until they score a goal, I would think that the fans are are going to be very anxious and and very reactive to to how things are going. They're not going to just you know how New York is. It's not going to just be all sunshines and rainbows. If if if, if somehow the Devils score that first goal, that building is going to be very quiet. 
until they, they have something to cheer about. Uh, let's go out to uh, Artie is in Brooklyn. Artie, my man, what's going on, pal? Gordon, my man, what's going on? Oh, you're fired up. You got your Aaron Rodgers. You got your draft. Oh, you're you're loading up, my friend. You know, as a Jets fan, you know, until he signs, you know, you don't really know. But more importantly, it was the press conference. And I know it's just a press conference, but I kind of didn't get that feeling that he was all in until the press conference. And I want to say he's staying for more than a year, okay? And I don't want to know after anything that happens. I know you said that now that you got him, anything but Super Bowl is a failure. I don't feel like that, okay? They got him. They in my point, it would be disappointment, but it wouldn't be failure. They did everything they had to do to compete for a Super Bowl, I think. And now I think it's all on Sally's would take the hit, I would think. Um, my question to you is, you have a choice between Sally and Rodgers or Belichick and Carr. For two years, just two years, what combo would you take? Do do I ha- are, are the teams other than those two spots, the coach and the quarterback, are the t- the same two teams? Or yeah, I'm taking the, the Patriots and I'm taking the Jets. No, no, no. It's the Jets. It's this year's Jets. Oh, this year. Well, I think this year's Jets are far more talented. So I mean, I would I would take that anyway. Even though Belichick is a great coach, I would take the Jets anyway. I was just trying to get some clarification in terms of the scenario. Uh, I would take the Jets. I would take the quarterback, and I would take. Um, because the, so the head coach, it's basically that, that Rodgers is the offensive coordinator. I mean, it's as close of a connection as you can have. So he's basically, Salah's kind of, uh, he's almost like the, the gase on the other side of the ball. He's not worried about the offense. He's worried simply about the defense and, and let the defense be good with him and let Rodgers run the offense. Well, here's what I, why I say this, uh, Gordon, because now the talent's there. It's going to – look, I was there when they lost to Detroit on a fourth and one pass to a freaking tight end, excuse my language, to a tight end for 40-yard touchdown. That was bad uh, whatever you uh, – execution, execution on the defense. And when you do, like, offensive penalties when coming off a timeout, when you're not calling the timeouts to stop the clock, things like that, there's going to be games where – it's going to be Salah whose decisions, the discipline, and I think that's where they're going to lose games. It's not going to be because of talent. It's going to be execution, and that's all coaching. So I don't know. If, I, I mean, right now, I don't know if Salah's the right coach. How do you feel about Salah as, as – I know you're a Dolphin fan, but how do you feel as Salah as a coach? I, I got to be honest with you, Artie. It still kind of feels like um... – it still feels like a blank canvas. I can't really say he's a good coach. I've not seen anything to say that he's a he's a great coach or, or anything like that. When they got him, it seemed like the, the reaction around the league was this guy is going to be a big-time head coach. This is a big-time get for the Jets. But I'll be honest with you. If, if the Jets this year don't live up to expectations and it's primarily the offense just does not click, I, I can't really blame Robert Sala for that. That's going to be – much more on the acquisition of the quarterback who is running the show. And, and you've kind of handed over the reins of that side of the ball to Aaron Rodgers. Now, if it turns out that the defense lays down like it did at times last year, especially at the end of the year, the Jaguar game, the, that Lion game as you're talking about, uh, the way they performed in, in those games, well then, yes, yeah, Salah, it's going to be on him. But 
to me, it's primary, and it, 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 it'll, it'll all depend on just how the team does not live up to those expectations. And 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 if it is true that Rodgers is here for two years, well, then you get two swings at the pinata then, right? You get two bites at the apple. But if it turns out that he's only here for one year and you don't win the Super Bowl, I don't see how you can't say that's a failure because now you're going to be back at square one where you have no quarterback and you're almost certainly going to be missing your first-round pick because of the trade for Aaron Rodgers. And you have this team that's ready to go, and you're nowhere in terms of the quarterback. So, yeah, you, you have to – you have to. Now, if you get two years out of them, that's a little bit different. But if it's only one year and you don't win it all this year and then you're back at square one, yeah, I'm sorry, that's a failure. That's a, that's a huge failure. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Today it's the Rangers, or tonight it's the Rangers. Tomorrow it's the Knicks. Let's talk a little Knicks and Heat coming up next. Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. And speaking of surprises, the Artie's asking me the question about the Patriots, what I want the pay. Patriots have drafted a punter and a kicker in the draft. I don't know the last time that's happened, but it, it, it's got to be a little while. I'm starting to wonder, is, is Belichick okay up there? I, 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 maybe it's starting to get to him. I don't know. Uh, but let's talk a little Knicks because Nick fans – you have got to be locked in. You're, you're, you're ready. You're waiting. You've waited a long time for this. And it's always important to have perspective, right? In sports, much like the line in Mad Men, what is happiness but, but uh, a period of time before you need more happiness, right? In sports, you have success, or whenever you have a success, you want more success. You win a first-round series, we want to win the next series. We want to win every series. We want a championship. So, but you have to have a little bit of perspective to think about what you have sat through the last 10 years since the Knicks did this. The coaches, the decision makers, the list of players, the list of embarrassments, the jokes at your expense, the finger pointing, being a punchline, being a laughing stock, be it uh, Phil Jackson when he was running things, be it when Steve Mills was running things, the coaches from Derek Fisher and uh, David Fisdale and Jeff Hornacek, seasons being over really before they began. Now, Nick fans are, have been great. They have, they have dealt with coping mechanisms to cover them from the obvious disappointment that has been waiting for them seasons after season. And knowing deep down they knew that those seasons were over before they began, but because of their, their diehardness uh, to, their, to their organization, to their fans, uh, and, and to their team, they, they've covered that up and said, no, no, it's, it's going to be okay. But you knew deep down it was not. There were decisions made, obvious wrong decisions being made in real time. And convincing yourself, ah, it's not so bad. Maybe, maybe this can turn around. But think about the the list of catastrophes that you've had from Andrea Bargnani to uh, Joaquin Noah to even ones that are lesser than that, but still, again, like convincing yourself, well, you know, a couple of years from now, a couple of years from now, Clee Anthony Early might turn out Langston Galloway, the nights of sitting and watching, uh, you know, Ron Baker or Emmanuel Moutier or Frank Nielakina. Or having conversations with your friends. You know, I think this Alonzo Trier is going to be okay. I really like Kevin Knox. We got Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, think about the decade that you've had to live through. 
And even things that thought you thought at the time, well, you know, there's, there's got a real chance here with, the, with poor Zingas or other things. But there hasn't been that many high moments for the Knicks. So now to be sitting here after the, the length of period of time, I would just say have a little perspective. Have a little of, you know what? Whatever happens in this series, you have to feel good about where you are at right now. And I'm not saying this series doesn't matter because it does absolutely matter. But you have to also have a little perspective to say things are good right now. It seems like we are pointed in a far better direction than we have been pointed in in a very long time and a very long time. So in terms of the series, and of course, we'll have game one right here for you on your home of the Knicks tomorrow, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. When you take a look at this series, you don't want to get carried away. You don't want to get uh, uh painted with the brush of, oh, you're just, you're just a Knicks fan, there's really no reason the Knicks don't win this series. The Knicks are, I think, the better team. They are clearly the deeper team. They, are, they have more ways to beat you. And I just don't buy the Heat's emergence to suddenly be able to score. I, I don't buy the, the Heat that I saw in, in the five games against the Bucks that that's all of a sudden the real Heat after watching them for a good stretch during the regular season. I don't see them hitting threes at the rate they did against Milwaukee. Uh, and I'm not a big believer in postseason experience. I, I think that there is nothing uh, more overrated than postseason experience. It, because people will point to that all the time. Oh, they're good because they have the experience. They've been in the playoffs before. Yeah, they've been in the playoffs before because they're good. So, yes, that's why they have the playoff experience. It's not that the experience is all of a sudden what makes them good. No, they're good. That's why they have the playoff experience. And if you don't have playoff experience, well, that's because you haven't been very good in a while. So I don't think that playoff experience is something that I'm going to ever hang my hat on for why one team is going to win over the other. But you look at what got the heat to this point. It was the Giannis injury, right? They had uh, The Bucks had two of the most mind-blowing that, – that game five – it was like they were active. I thought it was the, the Dallas Mavericks trying to keep their draft pick. I mean, it was the most – it seemed like they were trying to hand the game to another team. And Jimmy Butler averaging 40 points a, a game in the wins. The team, I think they averaged like 43% from three. They're not that good of an offensive team. They've been hurt quite a bit. Uh, no Tyler Hero in the series. No Oladipo in the series. So, to me – Again, I don't want to get painted as, oh, you're just Nick boy or you're just a Nick fan. But to me, Nick's in five. Um, I'm not going to say Nick's in six, although it does feel like any time, you don't like to pick a, a series in five because it seems like you're saying, oh, the other team can't compete. I, I think there'll be hard-fought games. I think that there'll be close games. I, I'm not expecting blowouts. But I just take a look at the way the Knicks are playing, how deep they are, and this Heat team they were not a very good uh, – maybe it is all coming together for them in the moment. Maybe that's possible. But I just take a look. This was a team that lost a play-in game. This is a team that during the regular season, people in Miami were saying that they have to, they have to blow it up, that it's gotten stale, that it's time for a rebuild in Miami. And do they have the, the heart to be able to do that because they're all about win, win, win. Now, I will say – the one thing that slightly concerns me is the Heat. The Heat have one thing that is very similar to the Cavs. They're very top-heavy. Uh, they don't have a great bench, and they're dealing with injuries. But the Heat are kind of the anti-Cavs. The Cavs were the trendy pick coming into the year. 
The Cavs are coming off this breakout season after getting Mitchell. The Heat were the opposite. They were bad all season and, and now are, are starting maybe to put something together. Uh, the Cavs are a team that melted in the big moments. I, I don't know uh, how this series is going to go, and Jimmy Butler might not win, but I don't think he's going to melt in the big moments. The other big difference is the Cavs, I thought, were terribly coached. I thought that Tibbs absolutely put a coaching clinic on uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, and it would not surprise me at all if we get into the offseason and the Cavs decide to make a change at head coach because I thought he got completely exposed in that series. This after losing, I think they lost both playing games last year in, in, the, in the tournament. Uh, and then this year, a series that, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to win. Um, they did have the home court. And, and not only did they lose the series, you lose a series in six or seven. Okay, fine. You lost a series in five. And really, it seemed just got a, a, embarrassed at the time. Their, their adjustments were um, did not impact the game at all. It didn't seem like there were any adjustments. And I don't think that that's going to be the, the case with the Heat. Uh, I think Eric Spolster is a very good head coach. I think that they will be well coached. I think that they will try to attack the Knicks in certain areas. Uh, but to me, there's no reason that the Knicks don't win this series. So I will be bold, and I will say the Knicks in five. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back out to the phones. We'll go out to uh, Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, my man? Gordon, as long as Jimmy Butler doesn't do a Bernard King 1984, when Bernard had the greatest two weeks I've ever seen in New York sports, he beat the Pistons single-handedly and then went up against four Hall of Famers on the Celtics and took them to seven games. So he was fantastic, two series in a row. As long as Jimmy Butler doesn't approach what Bernard did that time in 1984, the Knicks will win. So they just got to keep Jimmy Butler under wraps. Uh, as far as the Yankees, they only have two players that are playing, Anthony Rizzo and Garrett Cole. That's it. Everyone else stinks, including Judge. He's not doing anything. Well, I mean, there is something to be said for a first month of the season. I'm not going to get carried away. I'm pretty sure that Aaron Judge, if given time, and is not going to be out for an extended period of time, he'll put up typical Aaron Judge-type numbers. But you're right. I mean, they have a bunch of guys that are not. One-sixth of the season is gone. So right now, the Yankees and Mets, 15 and 12, that projects to 90 wins. Not good enough. Uh, Gordon, off-the-cuff off the question. Oakland is 5-22. and 22. That's 30 and 132. Would be the worst record by 40. Mets won 40 and won 140 and 120. You think Oakland has a chance to break the Met record? Uh, well, I, I do because I don't think that the ownership is trying. I mean, in fact, I know they're not trying. They're, they're oh, actively not now, trying. It's almost like Major Rangers. League. Like if guys start playing well, that they'll uh, they'll take away the team plane and uh, they'll, they'll they'll get rid of the hot tub as well. Oh, by the way, the Met, the Met management was very concerned opening day, so they canceled a game on Thursday. Beautiful sunny weather because they didn't want to play ten days in a row, and right. said because they were worried about the rain and they didn't want the fans to come out. So they canceled the game twenty four hours before the game, played on Friday instead, and it was a lousy day. And yesterday they had no concern, left the fans out in the rain. Right. So everyone telling me that they were concerned about the fans delaying opening day a day. And letting the fans sit through that rain. Yeah, I mean, that's how much management cares about the fans. All garbage. They just didn't want to play 10 games in a row opening the season. That was the reason why they canceled that game on Thursday, opening day. That's my point there. Uh, As far as hockey goes, now you got three original six teams in unique positions. Toronto is going into game six now, they're up 3 2, but they lost the last game. If they lose tonight, or is it tomorrow, one or the other, and then they got to play a game seven. They haven't won in 56 years. 
and they're up 3-2. If they blow a 3-1 lead and not get past this round, that's unbelievable. So you think the Ranger fans are hot. And more hot than the Rangers and Toronto fans are the Boston Bruins fans. This game tomorrow night in Boston is bigger than the undefeated Patriots versus the Giants in the Super Bowl. That's ridiculous. No, it is, Gordon. No, that was the Super Bowl. But that's because nationally football is bigger. No, it was the final round. It was the final round. It's the final round tomorrow. Boston loses if they lose. And hockey is bigger in foot than football. Hockey is bigger than baseball. Hockey is certainly bigger than basketball in Boston. And I've never lived there, but I know that for a fact. So tomorrow night's game in Boston, and then like Don touched on, losing three games at home when you lost five games in 30 weeks and you lose three games in one week at home. That'll be, that'll, to me, that'll be more unbelievable than the Patriots losing to the Giants in a one-game Well, it might game. be more unbelievable, Richard, and thanks for the phone call. It's not bigger, though. I mean, you can't compare an opening-round playoffs here. I don't care what kind of regular season. They could have won every game. It's the, it's the first round of the playoffs, and, and the hockey, we know this, right? It's been a decade since the President's Cup trophy winner won uh, a, a cup, a Stanley Cup, so uh, you can't compare that to the, the perfect Patriots going up against the Giants. Sorry, just can't. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more of your phone calls on the Knicks. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose, my friend, what's going on? Oh, I'm having a very good weekend right now, and we're getting ready for tomorrow's, you know, afternoon affair with Miami, and it's going to be a fantastic, um, fantastic um, game. I think that uh, I've got the mix in six. I think um, Jimmy Butler is just just on fire, and I think he's good enough to, you know, definitely steal two games from this series. Um, even with, even with, uh, I think that we have the better roster um, from top to bottom, but it's gonna, I really am, am kind of nervous with him because he is that type of superstar that, you know, elevates everybody and makes everybody better around him. And, you know, I still remember that COVID run and that was simply phenomenal. And I expect him to really try to replicate that. Yeah, well, look, I, Jimmy Butler is a, is a is a star player and and steps up at the biggest times. Uh, the Knicks have generally done, and Jose, thanks for the phone call. They've done a good job against him during the regular season. It looks like Grimes is is going to be able to uh, to go. So I don't know that he'd be primary. I would think that Josh Hart will be the primary defense uh, defensive guy on him, but being able to give him uh, different looks throughout the course of the game because he's not just their best scorer, clearly. He's their best facilitator. And with the injuries they have, they're not very deep. So it's really going to be up to Jimmy Butler to kind of carry the load for the Heat. Um, I know that there's been a lot of this rekindling the rivalry kind of stuff this week. And I I heard the guys on the K-Show. I don't know if they were suggesting it. I don't know if Tom Thibodeau, somebody else suggested it about bringing in former players to kind of – uh, impress upon the young guys the significance of these uh, of this rivalry at a time. Uh, to me, that that would be a waste of time. Uh, unfortunately, I just know from my own kids when you try to impress on young people the significance of things before their time, it it never really lands the way you want to. I, was it Josh Hart that brought that up? Oh, play the cut of Josh Hart then. I want to hear what this was. No, nah, not really. 
I mean, what, it was 23 to 27 years ago, I guess, when I started, 97, I think it was. So, I mean, most of our guys weren't even born yet. So, for us, it's, you know, those are the war stories of the past, and they're, they're cool to hear, they're cool to see, you know, highlights of it. But, you know, as a team, we got our own path and our own, you know, vibe and own way to navigate that. So, we're not, we didn't really think about that too much. They haven't really talked to uh, talked to us about it too much. You know, we're just ready. Yeah, I, I completely agree with him. What, what is to be gained by knowing about the rivalry? It's nice to know the history if you know the history, but it's not required. Uh, the, the rivalry uh, doesn't – what happened in the past I don't think has any significance on it. And to me, if you're using time on that, it's taking away from time you could be doing other things. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll get more of your phone calls on the Knicks and the Heat, some Pat Riley stuff. And, you know, it, it's funny because as someone who was, like many Nick fans, devastated when Pat Riley left Pat the Rat and the amount of hatred Nick fans had for him, there's a reason for the hatred that I don't think that gets brought up and, and, and does not get admitted to nearly enough. So we'll, ta- we'll tackle that coming up here as well. Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.